one of the pastors here on staff, and a privilege of mine to, to be sharing with you the Word of God. I'm make sure all of these recorded devices are good and going. Um, we have started last week uh, a brief sermon series through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And you may have noticed, even in our liturgy, we, we've started reciting parts of the Catechism. And, and Pastor John McCombs kicked it off with question one and two last week. And, and here we are with question three, which we read earlier. And uh, that brings us also to kind of help unpack that a little bit, to, to look a little deeper at, at some doctrines of Scripture. What do the Scriptures principally teach? What, what are the Scriptures? Uh, we lay it here in this passage in, in 2 Timothy. So I will read it for us. And at the conclusion of it, if you would respond with a part of the people saying thanks to you. Let's read God's word together. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it. And how, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That man, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, let's pray once more. Father, we thank you for these truths. We thank you for your word. And I pray that you would use me, uh, a broken vessel, to bring forth the truth and the hope brought about by the gospel, by faith in Jesus Christ, that, that we would walk away with a deeper appreciation and love for your word, for the word incarnate Christ Jesus. So help us to be open and receptive to that. Use me and uh, may the Holy Spirit be working in me to preach your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So again, we, we find ourselves here uh, in this passage in 2 Timothy, looking through what, what is the Bible? What are the scriptures? And, and what are we left with uh, as, as men and women of, of today? Um, there, there's a very strong dichotomy that's, that's going on here in, in the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, and, and we notice it right away in, in these opening verses. It says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and apostles will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's not a very hopeful message that we have as Christians. For those that want to believe in Christ Jesus, it's guaranteed that we will be persecuted. And so, Paul is writing this letter to his dear friend and, and mentee, Timothy. And he's writing from a jail cell. He's writing in, in his second imprisonment in Rome, and, and he knows that his own death and execution is imminent. It. It's, it's just around the corner. And, and these are the last words that he decides to, to give to Timothy, to write to him. And so if you knew that you were on your deathbed, if you knew that your life was coming to an end very quickly, and, 
and you wanted to put all the summation of your life's wisdom into a letter or, or an essay or whatnot, what would you say? So this is where Paul is, is found. He's, he's trying to sum up uh, the wisdom that he has gained in his own life and ministry, and he's trying to pass that along to Timothy. And here, it may not be very hopeful, but he, he guarantees persecution and suffering for the church, for those who believe in Christ Jesus. But obviously he doesn't end there. He continues on to give encouragement and hope to give these key doctrines and foundations of what we know about the Bible, what we know about the Scriptures, the Word of God. So notice that Paul does not give a lengthy 10-step strategy guide on how to effectively do ministry in, in the Mediterranean or the ancient Near East. But he exhorts Timothy to endure through with the power of the Word of God. Endure with God's Word. So the sole source of perseverance are the very promises that God gives and the things that are revealed to him in the Scriptures. And so as we look at this passage, we'll, we'll unpack and explore what the Word, things about the Word. So first we'll unpack what it is what is the Word of God? Secondly, we'll, we'll unpack what we learn from it, what we learn from the Word of God. And lastly, what the Word of God produces, the fruit that it produces. So on the Word of God, what it is, what we learn from it, and what it produces. Our first point, what is the Word of God? So turn us back uh, to verse 16, where it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And we'll stop there. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Scripture is God's very breath. It's the words that come out of God's mouth. And as you read it in the, the Catechism question, all of Scripture is meant to teach us what we are to believe about God. To reveal the identity of who God is and how he chooses to reveal himself is through his word, is through the Bible. And he does so by a written word, written word as opposed to, say, oral tradition of, of, of choosing half sound orally or, or through stories or through dream interpretation or some other ethereal or subjective matter. He does, he does so to reveal himself through the written word, the scripture. So we learn that the word. It is credible and trustworthy. The Bible, the scriptures are credible and trustworthy because it is breathed out by God Himself. It is the infallible word that will not lead you astray, but will show you the way to salvation. And so, this is the hallmark passage that all theologians and scholars will use to unpack this doctrine of, of inspiration, that the Bible was breathed out by God. And to say that the Bible was inspired is, is to say that the Holy Spirit superintended for the authors in a way so that the words that they wrote were the very words that God wanted it to be. That the authors were inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak God's words. And, and there are many different interpretations and theories about inspiration and, and we can, I don't have time here to unpack that in a sermon, we can talk about that if you want to, and, and grill the preacher, but 
you, some people will land on a different side of the spectrum of whether or not they feel like man wrote the Bible, or whether or not the Bible was truly and fully God's Word, God's inspired Word. But regardless of where you might land on that spectrum, I want to say that we can't say that some parts of the Bible are inspired because that sounds nice. I think I can believe in that. Or some parts probably probably were not inspired because I have a hard time grasping the truth of that and, and some of the uglier parts of the Bible itself. We cannot be the arbiter of the Word. The Bible does not present itself in that way. And as one scholar had said, even more, the Bible will have no sustaining power for your life if you make yourself the arbiter, the decider of what you will believe and not believe about. And so in my mind, I view the, doc- the doctrine of inspiration that, that all of God's Word was fully inspired by God Himself. I view this as a doctrine of grace. That when we think about the Bible, the words that we read on these pages, to be inspired by God Himself, this is a doctrine of grace because without God's Word, what are we left with? We're left with man's own devices of interpretation of dreams, of subjective discernment criteria, what, what have you. But if what we read and what we're devoted to, the words that we read from this book are actually the very words of God, then we can know who God is, His character, His love, His grace, and what He requires of us. Amen? And we also take a step back to realize that Paul is writing these words not just to give a blanket, abstract demonstration of theology or, or sound doctrine, but he's trying to put forth sound doctrine in the means of having Timothy endure through suffering and persecution. And so that when we read about these descriptions of God's Word, when we're actually going through suffering and persecution, we know that we have an anchor. We know that we have a source of hope. We know that we are connected to God in some way because we have the true testament of His character, of His love, of His grace, of mercy, of His justice, written in these words, breathed out Himself. It's not just abstract theology, it is God's very character and His assurance that He will be with us in the midst of suffering. And so all of scriptures are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So if we believe that the scriptures were divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, by God Himself, if we believe that these words are the very words of God Himself, then we take that to be the sole and only authority for us in this life. That God's word, the scriptures, the Bible, is the final authority for us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. This is what we live by. This is how we choose to make decisions, how we process things, how we think about things, how we act. And so whether or not you're a Christian, and whether you stand on a, on a different uh, side of the spectrum on the authority of Scripture, I want to say that where you stand on the authority of the Bible is actually very closely related, if not the same thing as your view and identity, your view of the identity and character of God. 
what you believe about this word and how it is to be your final authority actually tells you and other people what you believe about God. It's not the medium, the, the, the vehicle that's in question, but it's the source of it. We, we know this to be true because whenever we're, let's say, shopping uh, in-store or online and, and we're looking for a new gadget or appliance or what have you, oftentimes it's, it's the brand name that gives you that level of comfort and assurance. If you're looking for like a new washing machine and, and you have one that is a brand name and here's a brand name that you've never heard of, chances are you're going to go with the one that you know will provide a, a history and a legacy of, of, of working conditions and orders. And so, if we believe that the Bible, that the Scriptures are the very words of God, and we believe God to be the creator of the universe, our Heavenly Father, this is where we place all of our authority, this is where we place all sufficiencies in this life. And yet we still have a difficult time with that. Because there are other competing authority over our lives nowadays. What are some of the other authorities or things that dictate your own decisions, your thought processes, your actions? Do we feel like we fall under the authority of our credit scores, our bank statements, the opinions of other, other people? Do we feel ruled by our own schedules and, and following uh, our weekly and hourly itineraries to the minute? Do we attribute ourselves to our presence on, on social media? Right? How many followers we have, how many friends we have, what influence we're making? What are some of the things that have authority over your own life? And what are some of the things that get in the way of the Bible being the final authority of your life? So before stopping there, trying to encourage and exhort you to, for the Bible to be the final authority of your life, I want to pause to say that Paul mentions and he specifically uses this imagery that all of Scripture is breathed out by God. This is no coincidence that Paul says that Scripture is breathed out by God. And any, any other time that we see God's breath at work in the Scriptures, what happens? Let there be light. And it was so. The very beginning of creation of the world as we know it came into existence by the very breath of God. God spoke and it was so. What does that tell us? That in the breath of God, in the words of God, there is life. Can you imagine the, the kind of power that has. I mean, there are countless times where I wish I could say, let there be Chick-fil-A fries in my hand. And it doesn't come to fruition. But God says, let there be light in the midst of darkness. And it was so. Life came into existence. He breathed life into Adam and Eve from dust. The blast of his nostrils parted the Red Sea so that the Israelites could be free from slavery and tyranny. God spoke and flesh came onto the dead bones in the valley as we find in the book of Ezekiel. Jesus spoke and diseases were cured, 
blind men could see, and the dead were brought to life. So as we think about the Bible, as we think about scriptures, we can think about it in objective ways of authority and inspiration. And, and scripture is at least those things. But when we think about the Bible as a very breath of life that gives us life, how does that change the way that we view these words? What it is, what scripture is, is the inspired word of God, the final authority in this life, and the very breath of God himself. So we'll move on then to what we learn from it, what we learn from the scriptures themselves. So uh, I'll move us to verses 14 and 15, and he'll read with me. And Paul says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And we'll stop there. As a way of encouraging Timothy to fight and endure through persecution and suffering for being a follower of Christ, Paul implores him to remain in the scriptures, to remain in the breath of God. The scriptures that Timothy would have studied uh, at this point most likely would have been most of the most of all the Old Testament and, and maybe some of the other writings that may have been available and we consider to be the New Testament now. But primarily the Old Testament. So we were looking at the book of the law looking at the books of prophecy and wisdom and, and history of Israel. So we mentioned earlier that the scriptures are meant to reveal things about God. The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe about God. It is the revelation of God. How God chooses to reveal himself to humanity. And, and there, now there is much that we can learn about God in the day to day. Whether or not you're Christian or whether or not you have the Bible. Whether or not you have the scriptures. Uh, God, we can know a lot about God, even just by viewing nature. By walking outside, by knowing that there must have been a divine creator that had this plan in mind uh, to make things good, to make things beautiful. A couple of weeks ago, I, uh, I was blessed uh, to have a couple of friends drive through Pittsburgh. They're old friends from Boston, and they were making, they, they had just quit their jobs, and they were trying to discern what, what God wanted them to do in their lives, and sort of through a blessing of having saved up, but some, also from some gifts of friends and family, they were able to take this cross-country road trip. And for like the past three weeks, I've just been following their Instagram posts and stories as they drive through national park after national park through the countryside, through parts of the country I, I had never seen in my life. And even just through these stories, I, I can imagine what they were witnessing and viewing in person, even through uh, this tiny screen on my phone, as I marvel at the beauty of nature, as I marvel at the beauty of God's creation, there's nothing that I can do but to praise God for the work that He has done in the world around us. What privilege we have to enjoy God's beautiful creation. And so God can, can be generally revealed just by walking outside, just by appreciating the world that He's created around us. But there's more that we can, can learn about God through Scripture, through the Bible. We can learn more about His character. We learn more about His heart, the things that gives Him joy, the things that gives Him burden. The Bible is a special, divine 
revelation of God Himself. And it is culminated, this revelation is culminated in Jesus Christ. And so that when Paul implores Timothy to immerse himself, uh, to, to recall back to his childhood, uh, and to reflect, by, reflect back on what he's learned about God, he is asking him to do so as, as all these things that he's learned and read about in Scripture, how they are to reveal more and more of Jesus. As it says, it, it will make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So that even as we study the Bible, and particularly for Timothy, as he is scouring himself in the sacred writings of the Old Testament, he realizes what the scriptures are to teach, what man is to believe concerning God, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that God was the creator of the universe. And through the entrance of sin and through the fall in this world, the entire Old Testament goes through an extended drama God trying to call back his people to himself by showing them grace and the people are falling away. The Israelites choosing their own ways. So this, this extended drama of trying to be reconciled with God again. And ultimately, this reconciliation can only happen through the Messiah to come. And how Jesus Christ, as we read the Old Testament, is the fulfillment of that Messiah. How he brings about redemption and how he will bring about full restoration, so that as we read the Word of God, as we read about the Scripture, and how we culminate in Christ, which is where we find in John that Jesus Christ was the Word incarnate. The Word became flesh. So, as we ourselves today, in 2019, read the words of these pages, both Old and New Testament, how is what we're gleaning from our study and devotion to Scripture strengthening our faith and our knowledge and wisdom in Christ Jesus? How is what we're reading, reflecting on, uh, letting our hearts be immersed into, how are those things pointing us to Christ Jesus? And, and even just from stop, before stopping there, uh, Paul makes some other observations. Uh, he says, but as for you, continue in what you learned and you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Paul takes a moment here not only to push forward faith in Jesus Christ and challenge the gospel, uh, but he implores it to me on a personal level. He said, remember, harken back to your own childhood, to the, the stages in your life when you were first learning about the truths of the scripture, the, the revelations of God himself. And if you read through the entire letter of 2 Timothy, uh, the whom you have learned it from actually refers to Paul himself first, but also Paul's mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. These are people that Timothy would have dearly loved and respected, and for Timothy, who, had, who would have from a very young age in his life would have embodied the very things that the scriptures were teaching, the very role models uh, of God's word lived out. His mother, his grandmother, and his lifelong mentor, Paul himself. And this is an exhortation, an encouragement, a challenge for us to surround ourselves with people who are soaked 
in God's Word, to be mentored and discipled by people who live out the very Word of God in their own lives, to be influenced, to be changed by God. I had a, a random privilege of, of having, uh, I catching up with my old youth pastor from way back when, and uh, he had reached out to me, he was just kind of sending me a cursory message on Facebook telling me happy birthday, and he was like, hey, let's catch up. And I hadn't talked to him in, in over 12 years, and we had a really lengthy conversation of, of what had happened in those 12 years, uh, how he had brought me from through seminary, from college through seminary, uh, how I met my wife, and, and where we are now in Pittsburgh, and it was just kind of, like, I just found myself as I was sharing with him, and God was really evident and, and sovereign in my own life. And then we took the time to listen to, to what he was doing in, in my mentor's life, of how he brought him from Virginia to New Jersey, and, and how God was teaching him all those things, and I, as I was listening to him talk, as I was hearing him speak, it, it brought me back to the time where I was a naive, kind of rebellious youth, a high school student. And the ways in which he took the time, just actually took the time to invest in my life, to, to, to pick me up at my home, to bring me to, to pray for pray that practice, whatever it was. But the time that he invested in my life was very formative, uh, as I look back at it in hindsight, of, of who I am today. That God's sovereignty, that God's very words and truth was worked in this man's life to change who I am today. So that the need for Christian discipleship and mentorship uh, is almost necessary. I, mean, I believe that it's biblical. So that when we look at even the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, the Great Commission can only be carried out because people are going to go out and take the, take the time to disciple others take the time to take what they've learned about God's Word and to teach those truths, to live out and to embody those truths to other men and women who are coming along in the faith. And so, I ask you, how are we surrounding ourselves with godly, Word-saturated men and women of God? And how are we, those godly, Word-saturated mentors, to others. Now, there are seasons of life where we may be more than one than the other, and, and that's okay, and, and, and God, God leads that to you to discern that, but how are we being surrounded by this culture and economy of wanting to disciple, wanting to bring people along to the goodness and truth of the gospel? What we learn from it is, is Christ incarnate. That as we read the Bible, we learn more and more about Jesus. And where that brings us is we wanted to spread that goodness and truth to others through discipleship and through mentoring. And so excuse me, we'll close then uh, with what the Word of God produces, the fruit that it produces. And we'll, we'll end with verse 17. Uh, after Paul has said that all scripture is breathed out, it is profitable for teaching, for proof, correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That the man and woman of God may be made complete and equipped for every good work. And so the underlying premise here is that we are incomplete 
apart from the Word of God. That we are incomplete from God and Christ Himself. So that the power of God's Word, that the breath of God, makes us whole and complete and equips us for every good work here on as we continue to read from it and we learn from it. The Bible is all we need to equip us, equip us for a life of faith and service. The Word of God is essential to us, just as the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the food that sustains us, the sleep that we have to rest. All of Scripture is sufficient for us in this life. And yet we are constantly tempted that we are in a battle, a war, a quest for sufficiency in other things, as we mentioned before, with authority. What are the other things that have authority over our lives? What are some of the other things that we think are, man, if I just said this, things would, I would be fine. I would be sufficient. Again, whether that's financial stability, social status, acceptance from others, desire to be respected by others, comfortability, just to live a stress-free, uh, stress-free life, no, no stresses, no acute incidences, an attempt to gain control and, and schedule our lives to the team. What are the, some of the things that we think that, man, if I just said this, my life would be satisfactory. But, is our life sufficient because of what the Word of God produces in us to have faith in Jesus Christ? All of Scripture is sufficient for us. That Scripture is the only sufficient thing for us in this life because it gives us faith in Jesus. So that what you believe about the Bible, what you believe about Scripture, and what they principally teach will actually help dictate for you endurance in this life. And the reality is, as we know as Christians, we face suffering, persecution, whether that's directly from other people for, for being Christian, whether it's we face the suffering of the brokenness of the world because of sin. But if we take a moment to stop and rest on, on the truth of the Word of God, if we believe that these are God's Word we believe it's the final authority for us that this is all we need. This is all we need to be sufficient. And this life, it will help us endure through all the pains of life. It will be your anchor. It will be the lamp onto your feet. So that what the scripture principally teaches is what man is to believe about God. His goodness, his mercy, his justice, his sovereignty, that all the scripture is a culmination of the Word incarnate of Jesus Christ Himself. And what God requires of man. Deuteronomy 10, uh, listed there in your additional scripture, says, And now, Israel, what is your Lord? What does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. The word from Micah's sake. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, what God requires of man can be summed up in these verses, but very simply put, 
what God requires of man is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in his word. Faith in the word incarnate. So regardless of what you're going through, whether you're going through a difficult season of life, or you're going through a very joyful, joyous season of life, where you get to share that with others, we, we praise God for those things. We, we cry out to God because of these things, because of what He has promised us in Scripture, because of who He has set forth Christ to be. So that as we think about not just the doctrines and truths and orthodoxy of Scripture, but how Scripture leads us through this life, through all types of situations, faith in His Word, faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Wait, wait for us.